Amen, amen. You may have a seat. Welcome everyone to the Vineyard. My name is Christian Root. I'm the uh, associate pastor here at the Vineyard. It is so good to be with you all this morning. I'm going to jump right in. You know, one of the, the most damaging lies that the enemy encourages us to believe is this lie which suggests that, that the longer we follow Jesus, the, the more bound we are to be in love with him. And so because this is year 12 in my walk with, with Jesus, I was 20 years old when I, I came to know the Lord. I'm now the ripe old age of 32. Because I've been following the Lord for, for 12 years, that this lie suggests that, that I should be more in love with Jesus than I was in, in year 11, year 10, and year 9. And certainly that I should expect that I, I am more in love with Jesus than I was in year 5, and year 4, and year 3. But, but I, I would suggest that that this just doesn't prove true when we, we look at our, our own experiences, that, that this isn't true of all of us, but, but many of us would say that, that there was a tremendous amount of growth in year one and year two and year three of, of following Jesus. And, and then it, at some point, that we, we just began to, to plateau in, in our love for the Lord, that, that, that we just began to flatten out in, in our affection for, for Jesus. And that, that maybe even over time, our, our, our love, our passion for Jesus began to, to even wane, began to, to decline. And, and so for quite some time, I've been haunted with this question, what causes Christians to grow in their love for Jesus? I mean, have you ever met someone who just really, really loves Jesus? I mean, just really, really loves Jesus. Where, where it's just, they just can't help it but be encouraging. You know, they just can't help it but be filled with, with joy. There just seems to be this endless reservoir within them of, of energy for, for service, for prayer, for worship. The life is just devoid of cynicism, of, of a critical spirit. They, they just love Jesus. You know, I, I've met a, a few people like that in my, in my life. And when I meet someone like that, I mean, to be honest, I, I just kind of want to follow them, them around, you know. It's like, can I, just, can I just hang out with you? Because it is so encouraging. It's so life-giving when you're around someone who just clearly, clearly loves Jesus. And it's evident in their life. Have you ever met someone like that? Now, now the, the obvious answer, of course, to this question, again, of, of how do we grow in our love for, for Jesus, the obvious answer, of course, is that it's the Spirit of God who, who dwells within us as believers who, who causes our, our, our love for Jesus to grow. That's certainly true. You know, we, we recognize that none of us can white-knuckle our, our way into, into passion for Jesus, that none of us, by sheer force, by sheer determination, can cause our, our love for the Lord to grow. But, but you know, I, I don't believe that our, our role as Christians is completely passive. I don't believe that we're called simply to, to wait around and, and, and hope that, that the Spirit of God is going to zap us. You know, the Bible teaches that we're called to actively participate in our formation, even as we recognize that it's the Spirit that, that ultimately changes us. Let's say that again, that the Bible teaches what we're called to actively participate in our formation, to partner with the Spirit of God as we recognize that, that he is the one that changes us. And so again, I'm just left with this question, what, what causes Christians to grow in their love for Jesus? And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I've been haunted by this question for, for two main reasons. Two main reasons. Number one, it's because I've been called to be a pastor. 
And, and you know, one of the, the, the biggest challenges of being a pastor, probably the biggest challenge, if you were to ask me, about being a pastor is that as a pastor, you have this amazing responsibility, this privilege of, of having a, a front row seat into the lives of people that you care about. And as a pastor, you're given a front row seat into the lives of other people in which you're forced at times to, to watch people make decisions that you know ultimately are, are going to move them away from Jesus, that ultimately are going to cause their, their love for the Lord to, to cool or, or in the least to become stagnant. They're just going to plateau them in their affections for Jesus. It's the hardest part about being a pastor in my estimation. You know, and there's a sense of helplessness that comes with that as well. That I, I know I, I just, I can't grab anybody by the shoulder and, and, and kind of force them to, to love Jesus more. Secondly, if you were to say, you know, why has this question haunted me? How do we grow in our love for Jesus? It's because of my own life. It's because of my own life. Because here I am and, and I, I've been following the Lord for, for 12 years now. And, and, and I have these times in my life where, where I come before the Lord and I say, God, how, how am I still here at, at year 12? Right? You ever, you ever been there? Probably not. It's probably just me. How, how am I still year, here at year 12? How is there still so much apathy in my heart? How, how am I still struggling with so much self-pity, with so much self-interest when I have 12 years of following Jesus uh, under my belt? I, I'm haunted by this question because of, of my own life. Today we're going to be continuing our, our series that we've been calling Through the Bible, in which we've been looking successively at each book of the Bible, starting in Genesis and then moving on to, to Revelation in a, a couple of weeks. And today we're going to be looking at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And as we turn to these writings from the Apostle John, we're going to see that, that John unpacks for us one critical step that we all need to take if we want to grow in, in our love for, for Jesus. You know, we don't have time. I wish we did. We don't have time for, for me to unpack an entire you know, theological treatise on, on how we grow in our love for Jesus. But, but John, John does give us one thing today. Just, he, he gives us one truth that I, I think is critical if we want to grow in our love for Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And so why don't you pray with me? And then we'll open up to, to God's word. Jesus, we, we just admit before you that, that we as individuals, we as a, a, a collective people are, are prone to drift into apathy, God, prone to drift into indifference, prone to drift into self-preservation, God. We need you to become people who progressively fall more and more in love with you, Jesus. And so would you help us today? Would you help me today, God, to teach this text in a way that glorifies you, that honors you, that points to you, Jesus. Do you help me to handle the word of, of truth correctly, God? We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. The reason that we're here is because we love you. Please fill me with your power, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we, we look at our, our passage for today, as we've been doing throughout this series, I, I want to touch briefly on the context of these three books or these three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They were written by, believe it or not, John the Apostle. 
for whom they're named. And this was the same John who, who leaned on the breast of Jesus during the Last Supper. This was the same John who stood at the, the foot of the cross while Jesus was crucified. This was the same John who ran with Peter to the empty tomb on Easter morning. And this is the same John who ate breakfast with the resurrected Jesus on the beach. And, and so we find that, that John is fairly qualified to talk to us about what it means to follow Jesus. John more than likely left Jerusalem in the late 60s for Ephesus, right, right before the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD at the hand of the Romans. And, and he probably wrote this book in the latter part of, of the first century, and it would have been meant for the churches in and around Ephesus where he was staying. Now, for, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to skip past the highlights of these three letters and, and head right to the hot spot today, just because, I, again, I believe that what John has to offer us this morning is so important, so important if we want to be people who are growing in our love for Jesus. And I, and I want to make sure that we get it, that we internalize it um, before we leave. And, and so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. This is where we're going to be camping out for the rest of our time. And this is what we read. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Amen. And you know, sometimes I find it helpful as I'm, I'm reading through a text like this to insert personal pronouns into the text just to, to make it a little bit more real for myself. And so I'm going to read it again. Would you read it again with me? But this time I'm going to insert I and me in the place of anything or, or anyone rather and them. So let's read it one more time. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If I love the world, love for the Father is not in me. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, now here's my, my only point for today. So if you're taking notes, you know, here goes. Only point for today. If we want to be people who grow in our love for Jesus, it's imperative that we remove unhealthy desires from our heart. That, that's the thrust of the text that we're looking at today. That's the thrust of what I'm going to be talking about. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that if anyone loves the world, that the love for the Father is not in them. And then he goes on to explain what, what love for the world actually looks like. And so let's look at that. He says, the love of the world is the lust of the flesh. That is, unhealthy levels of physical desires for sex, for comfort, for food for relaxation, for entertainment. Now, of, of course, these, these desires in and of themselves are, are, are not sinful. It's not sinful to desire sex or comfort or food, but it's, it's a matter of intensity. That the John is saying that when these desires take on an unhealthy level of priority in our lives, that they, they become a love for the world. They become a lust of the flesh. This word lust, in, in the Greek, it, it's, it's actually literally over-desire. Over-desire, to over-desire something. This is when we over-desire the, the desires of our body, that they become the love for the world, the lust of the flesh. Then he says, love for the world looks like the lust of the eyes. That is, an unhealthy level of desire for material possessions. 
just classic materialism. It's just the world that we swim in in the 21st century in the West. It's the need to, to buy more, to have more, to get more the desire for other people's stuff. It's, it's materialism, this, this idea that suggests that the more we have, the more we accrue, the nicer our things are, the, the happier, the more fulfilled we're going to be. Then lastly, he said, love for the world, it, it looks like pride of life. That is an unhealthy preoccupation with our own abilities, our own accomplishments, and the praise of others. He said, this is love for the world. And so John shares with us, guys, that that the way to grow in our love for the world isn't simply by attaining more knowledge. You want to grow in your love for Jesus. It's not simply attained by by growing in knowledge. You know, most of us here, not all of us, but most of us here who have grown up or or been around church for for a minute have forgotten more sermons than we can count. I I personally have, have forgotten more sermons in my life, then I can count. The problem, guys, isn't more knowledge. Instead, John shares with us that there is a, there is a finite amount of space in our hearts. Our hearts, which are the, the center of our affections, the center of our desires. And he says to us that this love for the world, it cannot coexist with love for the Father. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying that to the extent that there is a love for the world in our hearts, that there's just that much less space in our hearts for for the love of the Father to be cultivated and to grow. So it's on us then, it's on us to partner with God. If we want to be people who grow in our love for the Father, grow in our love for Jesus, it's on us to partner with God in removing these unhealthy desires from our hearts in creating more more real estate, as it were, in our heart for the love of God to grow. Does that that make sense? Is that tracking with you guys today? Any amens? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Those were cheap amens, but I'll take them anyway. (laughs) And so I I, want to get really practical with this, guys, because if we just stay up here, just stay at this level, then, you know, remove unhealthy desires from your heart. It's just... It's not going to do much for our lives. So I want to get really practical today. How, how do unhealthy desires get removed from our hearts? Well, this is, an exhaust, is not an exhaustive list, but I just want to share the two primary ways that unhealthy desires, that is the love for the world, get removed from our hearts. Number one, unhealthy desires get removed from our hearts when they're confronted through the Bible. And they're confronted through the Bible. You know, the Bible isn't simply meant to be a means of of gaining information, although it is certainly meant for us to gain information. But the Bible is also meant to be a means through which we're confronted by God. Do you know that? Do you believe that? That, that yes, the Bible brings us encouragement, that yes, the Bible brings us affirmation, but the Bible is also meant to confront us, to confront our value systems, to confront our priorities, to confront the way that we see the world. And so as we read the Bible, it's helpful to begin with a prayer in which we ask God to confront us with his word. I've been doing that lately. It's been really helpful that before I open up my Bible, I say, God, as I read your word today, would you you confront me? Would you reveal my biases? Would you reveal my blind spots? 
You know, when we read the Bible, we're not just reading another story about Zacchaeus climbing a tree, about Jesus healing a blind man, about Moses parting the Red Sea. What what we're doing when we're reading the Bible is we're opening up our lives to this word which is alive and active through the Spirit of God and asking God to come and speak in to our lives. And if you, just as an aside, you know, if you follow a God who, who never confronts you, never disagrees with you, 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 are, you are following a God who is made in your own image. You, you are following a God after your own making. And you know, in our culture today, it, it is... It is a regular practice that that we develop our own views about who God is, about what it means to follow God, so that we can can follow a God made in our own image, a God who never disagrees with us. How how do we know that we're not following a God made in our own image? We we ensure that this is the case by, by allowing God to disagree with us, to confront us through his word. And There we go. Papers are sticking together here. Pray for me. You know, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I, was, I, I was reading through the, the book of Jonah. And you know, Jonah is one of those books that, that for many of us, we, we might not bring a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement to as, as we're reading it. You know, because many of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. You know, maybe you've seen the VeggieTales movie. I, I don't know, but... But if you've been around church for a while, you, you, you get the general gist of the story that there's a prophet named Jonah. He's sent by God to Nineveh. He disobeys. He flees the other way, ends up in a, swallowed by a fish, gets spit out on land, goes to Nineveh, preaches to the, the folks of Nineveh. They repent. Jonah gets mad. That, that's the book of Jonah in, in four chapters, right? And, and so it's easy to come to this book, you know, void of a lot of expectations of a lot of anticipation of what the Lord might want to say. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I, I was reading through the book of Jonah, and I had just woken up, and, you know, so I got my cup of coffee in my hand, just kind of reading through the book. And I, I got to a verse in Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, and, and it felt like the Spirit of God punched me in the chest. And, and, and this, is what, this is what that verse says. This is Jonah praying in the belly of the whale. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And so what, what Jonah is saying here is that he's saying that when we turn to, to worthless idols, that is false gods made in our own image, that, that we're literally turning away from our awareness and our delight and our, our, our excitement and our joy in the love of God. And we're turning away and we're turning our attention to this, this false God, this idol that can't fulfill us, that can't provide meaning for our lives and can't provide the satisfaction that we're looking for. And, and as I, I read that verse, I, again, I felt like the Spirit of God, you know, punched me in the chest and, and said, Christian, there's, there's an idol in your life that, that we need to talk about. And, and you know, I, I waffled back and forth uh, as, as to whether or not I was going to share what the Lord spoke to me because, you know, I'm, I'm the new guy here and, and still getting to know you guys. It's a little vulnerable. But, but to be honest, I, I, I just want to share because I, I, I want this to be real for you guys. This can't, this can't simply remain theory. And, and so I'll share with you what the Lord said. I, I felt like the Lord said to me, Christian, there's, a, there's an idol in your life, and, and it, has to do, it has to do with the gym. It has to do with you lifting weights. And, you know, 
I've been lifting weights, I don't know, probably seven, eight years pretty consistently, but, but certainly within the last eight months or so, I, I, I've definitely tried to up, 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 up my game and uh, ramp up my game or up, up. And, and so, uh, I don't know, around January, I, I began to, to really try to, to change my nutrition habits. And so now I'm trying to get in 180 grams of protein a day. And now I'm checking my macros on this app, which is your relationships of your fats to your carbs to your, your protein. And so I'm, I'm buying protein powder. I'm buying, you know, protein bars. I'm getting chicken breasts. You know, I'm making sure I got my amino acids in me, got my pre-workout in, my post-workout in. Some of you guys are thinking, bro, if you put in this much effort, you should be bigger than you are. Some of you guys are right now judging me. It's like, bro, like, but you know, genetics are a fickle thing. So anyway, you, you know, though, as soon as you talk about, you know, vanity or pride, people are going to say, well, like, what are, what are you that prideful about? Like a 5'7 hobbit. <laughs> but, but here I am. <laughs> Here I am, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm investing all this time and energy into, into the gym. You know, I'm buying tighter T-shirts and whatnot. And, uh, and I felt like the Lord said to me, you know, again, this was this pretty fresh. This was like three weeks ago. I felt like the Lord said to me, you just you need to take a, a step back from, from the gym for a moment. That this, this is an idol. This is pride. This is vanity that is just occupying space in your heart, Christian. Now, I, I, I want to be clear. If your takeaway from, from this message is, well, pastor said I, I don't have to exercise anymore, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I, I believe that it's important that we take care of our, our bodies, that we're called to, to take care of ourselves holistically. And, and if we don't think that, that the way that we take care of our bodies, the food that we eat, if we don't think that this affects our, our our relationship with, with the Lord, I, I think, you know, we're just naive, but that's a different sermon, and we'll, we'll get there at some other time. And so if you're, you know, a cyclist, you run, you go to the gym, you should continue to do those things. And I'm, I'm certainly going to continue to exercise, but I felt like the Lord in this moment said, Christian, you just you need to take a step back from, from the weights for a while. Have you ever had an experience like this? You ever had an experience where you're reading through God's Word and suddenly the, the, the verse on the page just appears radioactive? It's like the Lord is, is just zeroing in on something that needs to be addressed. You know, because if you haven't lately, I, I don't think it's because God has nothing to say to you. And then once the Bible confronts us with our unhealthy desires, which, which again, the, these desires might not be Inherently sinful, but, but it's a matter of, of intensity that these are desires that have reached a, a level of priority in our life, which is unhealthy. You know, once, once he confronts us with these unhealthy desires, we, we have two choices. We, we can respond in obedience or we can just, just keep it moving. You know, we can blow it off. And, and I know I've been joking around, but, but listen, do you know how many times in my life I, I've had a a Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 experience and, and then blown it off and then theologized my way out of it, you know, explained my way out of it. Well, certainly this is just a byproduct of an overactive conscience because God wants me to take care of my body. And think about all those people at the gym that I could be sharing my faith with, you know. You ever, you ever just theologized your way out of it? 
Or, or simply just kept it moving, just like, well, I, I'm not going to, to actually, you know, stay in this spot in Scripture and think through the implications of what God is saying. I'm just going to keep it moving. Just let's see what Galatians has to say because, you know, you ever been there? And, and, and guys, I, you know, I, I know I'm joking, but, but honestly, where, where I think, when I think about where I'm at right now, year 12 of following Jesus, I, I just, I think about what would my life look like if over the past 12 years, if every time I, I felt confronted by the Spirit in Scripture, if every time that, that, that happened, if I would have just simply responded with a, a, a simple yes, if it would have been met by simple obedience on my part, what, would, what could my life look like right now? What could my heart look like right now if that, that was just the pattern that had played out? over the past 12 years. I, I mean, I, I have to be honest. I, you know, the last three weeks for, for me personally have been, been just really amazing. I, I've, just, I've sensed just a new hunger, a new thirst for, for the Word of God. I've had a new level of enjoyment and a new level of celebration and joy as I worship. It's been a new hunger, a new, new passion to, to get alone with God in prayer. And, and of course, we're not promised that whenever we surrender, that we're going to be met with a fresh wave of joy and delight and hunger for the Lord. I mean, sometimes surrender just makes our life more complicated. You know that? But certainly for me, over the last three weeks, I, I've, just, I've just so much enjoyed the presence of the Lord. I, I've just been so eager to be with Him. I, I've, I've had a fresh just longing for God. And, and I know that that is the case because there was just Space created in my heart when I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll give this to you. It's new real estate created in my heart that can be cultivated for the Lord and grown into love for the Father. Unhealthy desires get removed when they're confronted by Scripture and we respond in obedience. And secondly, unhealthy desires get removed from our hearts when they're confronted during prayer. You know, if we want to be people who see the desires for this world removed from our hearts, we have to be willing to sit before the Lord in silence and ask him to speak. Do you know that? Have to be willing to, to come and allow the Lord to, to speak into our lives. And, and look, I, I realize that for some of us, even setting aside five to ten minutes to, to simply sit before the Lord in silence feels excruciating feels agonizing, right? But because we, we are just so accustomed to stimulus, just so accustomed to having some device, some screen in front of us that, that even five, ten minutes of, of silence can feel like torture for some of us. But, I, you know, if we're, we're not creating space for God to come and speak to us in prayer, I, I just don't think that we should expect to hear from the Lord very often. And, and some of us guys are just kind of walking through life in the dark, you know, devoid of wisdom, wondering about what steps that you should take, and there's just no space in your life for the Lord to actually come in and speak. You know, many Christians find it helpful to engage in a a spiritual practice called the examine, and the examine is is just a, a practice by which at the end of your day, just create five, ten minutes to invite the Spirit of God to speak into your day. Ask the Spirit of God to show you where in your day you felt particularly close to the Lord. 
Where during the last 24 hours did you feel particularly far from the Lord? Just create space for the Spirit of God to come and, and speak into your life. And during this time, the Spirit of God will, will begin to bring affirmation, certainly will begin to bring encouragement, but the Spirit of God will also begin to confront the desires of your body for comfort, the desires of your eyes for more possessions, and, and your own pride. The, the Spirit of God will, will begin to come to you and say things like, look, do, do you see this pattern in your life in, in which you're just, just always in need of buying something new? Have you seen this play out in your life? That you're always thinking about the next thing that you're going to buy, the, the next item that you really, really want. That there's just always something that you're excited about, always something that you're saving for. You know, that, that new handbag, those new shoes, that jacket, that truck, whatever that looks like for you, that, that, that item for your back patio, that there's just always something that you're looking to. Of, I, I want to buy this. I want to get this. I saw this at my neighbor's place. I want to get that. And so the Spirit of God might actually come to you and say, why don't you take some time off from buying something new for a while? Why don't you just take some time and not buy anything new so that some space can be created in your heart for the love of God to grow? Or the Spirit of God might come to you and say, look, look, do you see this pattern playing out in your life in which every night you come home and without even really thinking about it, you just turn on the TV? That whether it's the news or whether it's Sports Center, whether it's Netflix, that's just... It's just the habitual pattern of your life. You just don't even think about it. Just turn on the TV. Or maybe for you, the, the pattern is more after dinner or after the kids go down. That, that without even thinking about it, it's just, you know, let me roll through four or five episodes on Netflix. I mean, that's just the pattern of your day. You're tired. You're... And the Spirit of God might come to you and, and, and say, look, do, do you see how this pattern, this this lust of the flesh, this desire for comfort, to be entertained, you see how this is numbing your heart. Just numbing your heart. You're numbing yourself through entertainment. So there's just not space in, in your heart for the love of God to grow. That Yes, you would say, I, I, I want more of the love of the Father in my heart, but there's just no real estate there because you're numbing yourself every day with entertainment. The Spirit of God might come to you and might actually say, you know, why don't you take a break? from that screen for a while? Why, why don't you intentionally create some space in your heart for the love of God to grow and, and to flourish? And, and you know, in these moments when the Lord speaks to us, we're, we're reminded that it's a lot easier to pray general prayers of surrender than it is to actually surrender something concrete. You know that one? You, you ever been at a a prayer meeting, or you've been praying with someone, and then and the prayer meeting starts to get a little fiery, starts to get a little fiery, and then someone, you know, starts praying prayers like, God, would you make us a surrendered people? We want to be laid out before you. We want to be sold out to you. Those are not bad prayers to pray. Those are good prayers to pray. And when the Spirit of God causes us to pray those kind of prayers, it's a sweet, it's a, it's a holy time. But what we have to understand, it is a lot easier to pray general prayers of surrender than it is to actually surrender something that is concrete when the Spirit of God comes and, and asks us to. So where's God asking you to free up space right now? Where is he asking you to free up space? Where, where's there unhealthy desires for comfort and entertainment in your life? 
Where's their unhealthy desires for possessions? Where's their, like in the case of, of my example, where's their unhealthy levels of pride that are just taking up real estate in your heart? Because listen, guys, and I'm going to end here. You know, if the devil can't cause us to sin, he'll just make us boring. Do you know that? He'll just make us boring. And some of us here, you know, you have unrepentant sin in your heart that needs to be brought into the light and needs to be confessed. And there's going to be space for you to do that at the end of the service. But for others of us, the temptation might just be to fill our hearts with junk, to just fill our hearts with things that are meaningless, to fill our hearts with the love for this world. We, we've just been lulled asleep. We're just boring. You know, it, it, the enemy would, would love to just make us boring people who don't look different than anyone else. And, and so my, my prayer for you as one of, as one of your pastors, my, my prayer for myself is that a year from now, we would be able to say both as a church and as individuals that our love for Jesus is greater than it was the year prior. That, that, that's, that's my prayer for you, that you'd be able to say in the summer of 2019, I love Jesus more than I did in the summer of 2018. That I am hungrier for him, that I, there is a, a sweet appreciation of his grace in my life, that, that I, I am pursuing Jesus with greater vigor, with more energy than I have in the past. That I am pursuing Jesus with, with greater joy and desire than in my 27th year of following him than I was in my 26th, or my second year of following him than I, I was in my first. That, that's, that's my desire for you. That's my desire for me. But if we want to be people who, who are actively growing in our love for Jesus, then we have to take very seriously John's word. To, to go about removing the love from this world from our hearts. Why don't we stand? I'm going to invite the worship team up. And, and you know, if you're not, not from the vineyard, if you're, you're visiting, you might not know, the way, that we, the way that we close our services is we create space for, for some of us to respond because we believe that, that when God's word is preached that, that it speaks into our hearts. And so I, I believe that right now God has, has been speaking to some of us, many of us. And so in just a second, I'm going to invite our, our prayer team to head to the, the sides of, of this stage. And, and there are some folks here who would love to pray for you. And there's a few groups in particular that I, I would love uh, to receive prayer today. And the first group are, are those who, who would say, you know, there is a love for the world that I am very aware of that just needs removed from my heart. That maybe you've been dancing around it for a few months. You've been trying to push it down, trying to theologize your way out of it, as I talked about. But in your, in your saner moments, you know this is something God is asking you to give him. And so we want to pray for you. This isn't a counseling session. We just want to pray and ask God to give you the courage, to give you the grace to surrender that to him. If it was easy to give up, you would have given it up months ago, right? And so if that's where you're at, if you recognize there, there, is, there is something in my heart that needs removed, we want to pray for that with your brothers and sisters. And secondly, I, I would love for those to receive prayer who, who just resonated with with my point early on that it, 
that maybe you're just at a place in your life where you feel like, I, I should be farther along than I am. That, that maybe you couldn't recognize at first blush something that needs removed from your heart, but you recognize that your affections for Jesus have plateaued. Have plateaued, and, and that you would simply want to come before God and say, you, you know what, I, I want... I want the trajectory of my life to change. I I want to be someone who's growing in my love for Jesus. And and so if that's where you're at, we want to pray for you. We want to pray God's blessing in that because again, you can't can't force that. You can't white knuckle your way into a greater love for Jesus. But some of us here might say, you know, I I look at the trajectory of my life. I look at the way in which my my love for the Lord has has flatlined. And and I, I want... I want to be more in love with Jesus. And then thirdly, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared to, to offer this call, but during our, our staff prayer this morning, I just felt prompted by the Lord to ask um, those to receive prayer who would say, you know, what? T- to be honest, I, I just, I want a greater love for God's word. You know, because I talked about the, the necessity of allowing God's word to confront us. But some of us would say, you know what, if God's word is going to confront me, it means I actually have to, to read the thing. And so some of us might, you know, and this isn't a guilt trip. I'm not trying to, to shame anyone. All of us have gone through seasons that felt particularly dry or apathetic. But some of us here might say, you know what, there was a time where I just, I really loved reading God's word. Or, or maybe you're, you're, you're new to this church thing and you would say, you know what, I, I've never really read through the Bible, but I, I, I want to. I want to be someone who, who takes the claims of Jesus seriously. I want to see what he says. And, and so if that's where you're at, if, if you just sense in your own heart just a, a lack of hunger for God's word, we want to pray for you for that. Because again, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is is this lie which suggests that just because you've known Jesus for longer, you're going to love him more. That's a lie. If you want your love for the Lord to grow, that there's going to be some some intentionality needed on your part. And so if that's where you're at, we want to pray for you. We want to pray that God would do that in your life. And so why don't we have our prayer team head to both sides of the stage. If you've been trained to pray, you're a leader. And, you know, in our first service, we just didn't have enough people up front. So if you are trained to pray, you know, you might stand against the wall. But why don't don't you head there now? If you've been trained to pray, you're a leader. Please please head to the side. And so over the course of this this next worship song, if if any of those things resonate with you, if you want prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And, And the rest of us, let's... Let's worship our King with one last worship song.